0: Other uh, game file where you know you can do the chapter select with my 99 character. So that made Eve uh, <laughs> quite, quite the easy boss
1: fight. Yeah, it was it was pretty amazing to watch Eve do all his or her various attacks. You know, whapping you with giant arms and stomping you on your down uh, and none of the health bar came off, really. I mean, it was just, like, no effect whatsoever. Um. And it was, like, a one-hit kill, too. <laughs> so, yeah, very different uh, experience, depending on the android that you you happen to inhabit in that fight, I suppose. Yeah, r- roughly what level are you at now, Ben? What do you think?
2: Um, I think I hit 25 just in time for that fight. Um, okay. So like, I, it, it was it was enough. Um, I died a couple of times on the lead up. I don't think I died to Adam at all, but like I died in a couple of the, the sort of big free for all fights and on a couple of the side quests and stuff. Oh, okay. But yeah, like it, it was it was enough. I did a lot of dodging. That's kind of my shtick.
1: Right. Right. I think I would be very frustrated playing this game if I were, you know, actually holding the controller for this. Because I don't like dying in games, and this one seems like you're bound to die quite a bit uh, until you get the hang of it. So
2: yep. I don't
1: know how it would fared with this game.
2: I, I definitely remember it being very frustrating the first time I played through it. And, you know, spending a lot of time just, like, beating my head against... Various bosses and stuff, and not getting a whole lot of payout for it. Um, And and, and again, some of the side quests are just mean as well. Like the one where you're supposed (laughs) to like protect the parade of of pacifists. Oh God. uh, Yeah, that one. Oh God, that one's awful. Oh, it's the worst because you know it doesn't matter how well you're doing. You gotta keep your keep your eye on on them. Make sure that all these silly pacifists aren't getting completely torn apart.
1: (laughs) Is that after the religious ceremony thing, or is that? That's completely before. unrelated.
2: Yeah, you can. That's uh, like I think it's right after you do the amusement part that quest becomes available, and then you can do it at any mm.
0: time. Uh, I chose not to do it because I knew, like, I would be incapable of doing so <laughs> yep. at this point, like at that <laughs> level. Yeah. Like I think it's like literally impossible to do at that level.
2: <laughs> okay. I took a stab at it once uh, and then I was like I don't have time to do all of these side quests especially the really annoying ones if I'm going to you know make our conversation so uh, that was enough yeah.
1: yeah it's a balancing act I suppose um, the game really seems to push you forward at, at this point anyway yeah. uh, you know once once that uber Goliath from the depths is defeated it's it's kind of like um, straight into this this fight with Adam, right? I mean, there isn't much you can do in between, is there?
2: There are a couple of side quests that are still available. Um, like, okay. I did the stamps quest at the amusement park uh, in between the two, mostly because oh, I nice. couldn't find uh, 9S for a while. Like, I forgot where he was hiding. Um, but uh, not many of them. And. A few of them are, are very well secreted, um, but yeah, for the most part, like a lot of the side quests, a lot of your active quests will just vanish off the face of the earth. Like you missed your chance. Um, so the the one that I was feeling grumpy about was uh, I finally finally found Engels um, and was talking to Engels. Um, but I did not get through all of that quest. So that's what I'm definitely going to be angling for when I get into 9S's shoes in the near future. You mean did angling you say for?
1: Angling for? Uh... Okay, okay. Well, so you you get the ultimate pod program at this point, right? The scanner mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> that allows you to search for 9S who's missing. Um, what is the... Is, does what does the Engels quest have to do with? Is it like all about improving the workers' lives or something?
2: <clears throat> well, that's kind of what I'm wondering. Um, I knew that it was a thing. Like I had seen some footage on it, and I was, you know, naturally curious. That if you're going to drop a character into near Automata called Engels, that you would expect there to be some communist overtones there. Um, it turns out that Engels is the Goliath who. Wrecks everything when the earthquake happens. Oh. Um, when you're hanging out in Pascal's village and the sky goes dark, they're like, "Quick, come save the Resistance camp right now!" And there's the Goliath, yeah. and you blow him up. And you, you can go to the body. Like if you go to there's this little platform near to where his head is, um, and you like 9s observes that he's not dead. He's just like missing pieces. Uh, and if you track down some components, namely the, the pristine screws, which are the ones that are dropped by those big dudes with the, the giant hands who like to like whirl around and try and hit you with them. Um, <laughs> if you collect enough of those, he'll talk to you, and you can get more information about him. And you know, here's an opportunity to study the machines in a, in a controlled environment. Um, and I got as far as seeing that his name was Engels, but we didn't get any farther because it was like now goes defeat seven more of them. I'm like I do not have time for this. <laughs> um, so again, I'm hoping to, to take that one on when I've when I'm controlling 9S, and hopefully be able to talk to Engels and see what his deal is. Um, but yes, there is a quest where you talk to Engels the Goliath. Um, I just don't know what all is involved or how that concludes.
1: Okay. It looks like the uh looks like the giant one that we shot with missiles last time is still out there in the middle of the ocean, still like um, or at least some, you know, ruin from it is out there. Um, anything else changed about the the environment at this point? Um, it seems like it gets progressively more destroyed as time goes on, but uh, like was, was more of it washed away in this last battle or anything like that?
2: I don't Think so. Um, okay. Like the one, the one thing that you do notice is the music on the overworld changes when you're looking for 9s. Uh, like it gets a bit more dramatic in there. Um, it's the same city ruins theme, but but like there's you know a couple more uh, threads, a couple more instruments chucked in. Um, but other than that, I didn't really notice anything different, and I don't think there is anything. Like, obviously, the landscape gets radically changed when the Goliath shows up and, like, busts into the alien spaceship territory, but uh, okay. nothing comparable happens, even though the Leviathan is presented as though it's this sort of, like, world-ending um, threat or danger. Um, but obviously, like, after you fight Adam, then you've got the Resistance camp under attack, so that's that does change things, but it's relatively unrelated.
1: Okay. And I, th- I wonder about that because of the way that Adam's environment is the city only as it was before it was destroyed. So it's a, it's a version of the city we've never explored. Uh, and it doesn't seem like you can really do much there. Um, you're kind of on street level. Is it possible to go in any of the buildings or make your way to the rooftops or anything like that?
2: I don't think so. Um, I think you are pretty pretty constricted there, like it is meant to be pretty linear. Um, and, I mean, the whole network of, of caves that you're wandering through even to get there is, is very linear. Like, there's not a whole lot of decision. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it's it's more as showcase, more as, you know, funneling you down so you get the experience of, you know, seeing all of the, the androids that he's collected, that you know, he's positioned around the town you know, as though they were like shopping or something and then drop dead, you know. It's <laughs> right. very surreal, it's kind of ver- very, you know, ruins of Pompeii, um, yeah. uh, especially because again it's that the whole city is monochrome made of those little white blocks that he seems to be playing with. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, as far as I know, you can't really do much in the city. There's nowhere to go, nothing to explore. It's not nearly as freeform as a lot of the other areas.
1: Yeah, it's. I think it's something your pod says about it, right? It's like, I don't know anything about this place, basically. like, Who who made it? I don't know, right? Um, it's really just a kind of, yeah, like you said, a showcase uh, for this fight with Adam. It seems like there there's nothing really else there. Um, the way that he, like, continues talking through the whole fight for, or for quite a while, right? an extended monologue uh, where he's explaining kind of what he's up to, um, I found interesting. And also, really, I felt that I, I benefited a lot getting to be the audience in this portion and not the player, because um, it's a lot easier, I assume, to follow what he's saying when you're not also trying not to get killed yeah that
2: sounds sounds accurate
1: (laughs) so i i found that really interesting and i wonder if there's like a tension there between like understanding what he's saying even like hearing what he's saying and actually like playing the game itself like That tension is always present in video games, I think, like the playing versus the thinking about. But this fight really sort of makes that foregrounded for you. Um, You you almost can't do both. Uh, I guess unless you're just just focused on dodging, maybe, and and not trying to deal any damage. But even then. uh,
2: Yeah, at this point, I feel like the combat is, I mean, that's a, you know, like blow my own horn or anything, but I feel like the combat has become kind of routine at this point. Yeah. Um, like you do just get into these patterns of, of just dodging and attacking and dodging and attacking and you know looking for the opening and going for it. So, you know, I feel like I was able to follow a lot of what he was saying. Like very much the the idea that you know that in order to fully understand and embrace Adam's nascent humanity he needs to be in a position where he's mortal um where he is going to you know fight and kill and threaten and threaten but also be threatened to be capable of dying um like i think that comes out pretty well especially because you know like at this moment in the game you in the position of to of be especially you're worked up, you're angry, you, you want to find 9S, this guy has stolen him from you for all intents and purposes, and you know, you too feel that desire, that need for for conflict, for resolution, um, and you are sort of painfully aware of the fact that, you know, you could screw this up. And sure, it's just a video game, you reload, you go at it again. Um, in a sense, you are actually less mortal than Adam, in this fight strange mm-hmm. though that may seem um and you know you do not run the risk of disconnecting from the network like that's that's not an option for you 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 will always come back um but at the same time that that will to fight that will to to engage in the conflict that adam you know is praising so highly in this that that's very salient um and you know i, I suspect. Sitting in, in, there at a distance, you know, with your sif- snifter of brandy, actually might detract a little bit um, when you're not like physically engaged in, in the fight as well. Like a- as much as you can appreciate the philosophy and the, sort of appreciate the the meaning of what he's saying, I suspect that like in the moment, holding the controller, you're actually living it, like you're engaged in it on on a very fundamental level. Um, yeah. So. You know you you feel it even more than you hear and understand it
1: yeah well yeah i felt that a bit i mean at the point in the fight where he decides to show 9s yeah which is i guess sort of the third state like the final stage of this this fight Mm -hmm. um i was a little put off i gotta say because maybe i didn't feel the like level of hatred it's necessary for that to ring true, mm-hmm. um, because I wasn't, you know, getting beat up by him the rest of the fight. I was just right, yeah. uh, like sniffing off in this, uh, off to the side. But the uh, the vibe that I got there was um, was a lot. It just struck me as a lot less original than the rest of what he had been saying, mm-hmm. uh, and maybe that's just, you know, a reflection of. Where I'm coming at this from, but uh, when he's talking about like understanding humanity and uh, needing to be immortal, uh, at least for um, the possibility of death to understand that, like that was all pretty cool and interesting, I thought. Uh, But then it sort of takes this turn where he does like a full-on Emperor Palpatine, you know, like he wants to feel the hatred uh, that that 2B has for him. Um, i didn't really get that i don't i don't quite follow him there um, i mean it seems like he almost wants to die not just like face death but actually die is yeah, that
2: the i think that's a fairly, fairly reasonable interpretation honestly like as much as you know, it's a little out of sync with with what he tells us. You know, he he seems to be confident in his ability to overcome to be, but then you know, doesn't. Despite the fact mm. that, like, just from the way that his attacks work, and and from the fact that we know that he's created this world, it, it seems that here he wields nearly omnipotent power. Um, yeah, and he's so controlled about it. Like, it makes such an interesting contrast with the the fight with Eve later where Eve yeah. is entirely enraged, where Eve is, you know, wielding the machine's bodies as a weapon, like it's, he's just going to pound you into dust. Um, you get this sense that Adam is either really overconfident, and that's the mistake that he makes, like he, he doesn't anticipate that you could possibly pose a threat to him, even though he is you know deliberately disconnecting himself from the network that he is you know deliberately making himself mortal but the other possibility is as you say that he is out to die um and you know especially because when you stab him and he he enjoys it he feels like it's exquisite like it's this experience that he's never been able to have before and yet it quickly turns sour like then he's immediately saying it's so dark so cold um, like, oh, I, this was the last frontier, the one thing that I haven't experienced. I must have it. And then it's like, oh, the, no, this isn't fun at all, you know? Like I, I had all of this this pleasure controlling and fighting and, and being in conflict, but now now none of that. Now that's mm-hmm. that's gone. Um, so you know, it's it's a very plausible reading, I suspect. And I, I think you are right to sort of point out that there's a turn there, like when he reveals 9S that that doesn't ring as true or as profound as what he's saying about immortality and mortality leading up to that. Um, It doesn't seem to ring 100% true, um, but it also seems kind of inevitable. Like if he is going to use 9S to get you to fight him, well, yeah, eventually you're gonna have to find 9S eventually he's going to have to reveal that, yeah, he, he has him. He is in danger. It, it must up the stakes in some way. So, I don't know. It's a bit of a storytelling quandary, I suspect. Um, yeah.
1: Well, dealing with omnipotent bad guys is always a bit of a... I don't know. You have to find a way to manage that, I suppose. Um, this is the route they take. Uh, and I think when you... When you set it beside the later fight against Eve, it might it might fit better at that point where yeah, you do see um Eve's approach uh sort of filling in that uh that opportunity that Adam seemed to have mm-hmm. to go all out and use his connection with the network uh to manipulate reality essentially, right? And and just overpower you. Um of course, it doesn't work any better in Eve's case. Uh, presumably, you you win that fight too, but um, but he yeah he has the much greater emotional sort of um, uh, vehemence uh, that you that you might be looking for at that point.
2: Um, and I think so the parallelism it almost, in Between yeah you know, Eve fighting you over the death of Adam and you fighting Adam over the the abduction of 9S, I think that parallelism works really well. Like, exactly as much as, you know, as much as the the abduction of 9S doesn't work all that well in the moment, when you realize that you are fighting Eve, or that Eve is fighting you for the same reasons that you were fighting Adam, it really drives home the sort of accidental nature of all of this conflict—you um, mm-hmm. know—we we've been sort of stressing throughout our, our discussions that you know a, a lot of this fighting is arbitrary or seemingly pointless. Um, you know, we we find the aliens dead underground, and it's like, well, why are why are we even fighting the machines at this point? Why are they even enemies? This this war has been going on for centuries, and at least one of the sides is is not even playing anymore. Um, and now you know you you get into the sort of final dimensions of that. Well, why do we keep fighting? Because at this point it's personal. Because everyone has lost someone. Because you know there's always one more act of vengeance that needs to be conducted. Like I think of <laughs> a, a, every year when I teach the Iliad to my to my mythology students, I, I basically end up telling them the same thing. You know, this whole thing started with Helen. Like. Yes, Paris abducted Helen, Menelaus was slighted, and now, you know, here we are fighting. But we've gone past Helen a long time ago. Like, even if if Hector does give Helen back, the Greeks aren't leaving because this guy's brother is dead, because that guy's father is dead, because, you know, Hector killed Patroclus. Like, Achilles doesn't care about Helen when he's chasing Hector down. It's all about personal vengeance at that point and the thing about that personal vengeance is that it doesn't ever stop you know Hector kills Patroclus, Achilles kills Hector, Paris kills Achilles, the cycle continues you know every every completed vengeance just sets up the next one that's the cycle that you belong to and you get caught in it here um Adam wrongs 9s, you wrong Adam, Eve wrongs you that's just how it goes
1: and I like that you pointed out earlier, too, like you said, if you do get defeated, you know, you could presumably end the cycle by not playing anymore, right? You could be like the aliens and just uh, not be in that world anymore. But but there's something about you as the player, right, that you, you need to keep going. Um, and maybe it's the frustration or or maybe it's just you know, wanting to see what happens next or, or whatever it is. You
2: angry but, enough to want to you avenge yourself, you know? <laughs> avenge yourself, yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. And all the other androids who have fallen and put in their Mad Libs of death mm-hmm. uh, before you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but to go back to the uh, the omnipotence thing for a minute, like the way that that shows up here uh, is, is through creating this, this city. Um, but it's not complete, right? It's not it's empty, essentially. Uh, It's not got any color to it. It's not got any people, right? There's sort of noticeably absent. Um, Presumably, he could have made stuff like that um, out of the little blocks. Uh, But he he wants it to, it seems like he wants it just as kind of an arena in which to stage this, well, monologue and fight (laughs) with, uh, with you, uh, with the player, um, so I found that really interesting. Like, why, why set up a battle uh, like that um, in a in a non-destroyed city, but a kind of incomplete city? Um, why is that the appropriate way to get this all-important conflict? To happen. I don't.
2: I, yeah. I don't really get. It. I, I suspect that that part of it is, you know, part of it is defined by its contrast. Like we've also sort of been following the the progress of the machines as as they've been growing more and more sophisticated. Like. We, we talked about the, the tribalism in the desert, leading all the way up to, you know, the, the sort of loyalty and, and feudalism in the forest. Um, and you'll notice, you know, Adam, when he appears in this fight, he appears as this, like, genteel, you know, human at the peak of human civilization, complete with suit and glasses. And, you know, he looks very composed, very controlled, very civilized. Um you know, this would be the logical endpoint for the machines to aspire to. Um, And there is something very, very strange. You know, like you say, it's a city, but it's empty, and he populates it with all these dead androids, but isn't he connected to the machine network? I mean, we've seen all the machines organize themselves in these various ways over the course of the game, like building quasi-societies as imperfect and incomplete as that may be. And yet here we are with all the trappings of civilization—the buildings, the architecture, the edifices—but no substance. You know, it would be so easy to just convince all the machines to come down here and then, like, have them go through these sort of broken routines of everyday life. This approximation of, of what life is supposed to look like. You know, Majora's Mask style, with everyone following their their programmed routine <laughs> day by day. But he doesn't do that. No, it is just empty. Just an arena. Um, and I think there's something... Like, I don't know if it's intentional on Yoko Taro's part or, or if he's sort of getting at it, but I feel like there's something more dangerous about Adam as a consequence. That he is... You know, he builds this edifice of civilization, this appearance of... of you know organization and and development and and like scientific accomplishment for the sole purpose of fighting
1: yeah, yeah you
2: know he he tells us that the entire purpose of human of humanity is conflict while standing in the closest thing we've seen to like modern human cities um yeah, yeah. so you know he he's like, we're, we're kind of getting that picture, that that jump to the end, the logical endpoint of, of what the machines will accomplish, basically saying that, you know, here is art, here is literature, here is culture, here is, you know, science and technology and all of these things that we humans pride ourselves on. And Adam has, you know, gone through the whole list, dismissed every last one of them and said, nope, what it all comes down to is violence, um, yeah. which is grim, like really really grim um
1: and do you notice he's he's all put together with the exception of his fingertips yes he's got the red claws i just think of that Hobbes quote right you know nature red and tooth and claw mm-hmm. or is that hobbs i don't know but anyway that that idea of like the state of nature certainly right and that there's there's no like veneer of um uh of peace uh, at that, at that, like tips of the fingers where he where he touches, mm-hmm. um, nine uh, and where he, I guess you know, shoots his laser attacks at you and, and energy attacks and whatnot. But um, but then yeah, there's a weird kind of, I don't know, like timelessness as well that you get because the city's empty. Mm-hmm. It's like this moment, you know, could be any moment.
2: Yeah, it helps um, that it doesn't have color. Um, yeah, and the, the, you know there's there's a featurelessness about it. Like none of the buildings show age. there's no, there's no quality of decay. You, you have neither the, the sort of black and white um, like old Hollywood movie style or the Sepia filter, but at the same time, because it is purely monochrome, like it, it's hard to judge. It's styleless. Um, Mm -hmm. It doesn't have any of the the earmarks that you would expect, any of the the qualities that you would associate with, like, the Rococo or with the Baroque or the Gothic or Renaissance architecture. Like, it's all just featureless. It's all so empty. It's as easy to associate it with the 20th century as the 18th or the 17th or the 21st. This could be anywhere at any time.
1: But it's um, it's certainly before the aliens have arrived. Right? It's before the war has really started. Um, it's a, it's also a kind of, I don't know. And I, I feel from things I've heard, overheard, that this will become more important later. But it's also kind of like the um, the hacking simulations, right? It's like similar in that it looks like an unfinished or, you know, kind of. Prototypical you know, video game, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, it makes me think of anything from uh, you know ECO to Katamari. Um, these games that are not like polished in a realistic way, and yet have a really um, cool, you know, unique video gamey quality to them, uh, nevertheless. So I, I feel like it's kind of hearkening to, to that you know sense of its own. Medium as well. Uh, it's it's very interesting, and the music there is really good.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, I know you love running through the ruined city, but, um, but for the brief time that we're in the you know the copied city, the imagined city, it's it is pretty thrilling, also. Yeah, um,
2: rapid fire piano music with the the, technic, the yeah. techno overtones. Yeah, it's it's really.
1: <laughs> <good>. <laughs> uh, so. Yeah. So this one, like, you know, I was I was kind of like down on the developers for maybe not doing as much with the uh, castle and the forest as they could have, but on this on this one, I'm not gonna knock them for you know, not not making it complete because um, it, it it definitely seems intentional and uh, and, it, and it works. Uh, now the uh, the actual like iconography, right, of um, and, and just the I don't know, the trope, or whatever you want to call it, of the way that Adam relinquishes his omnipotence to become mortal, um, that has very heavy Christian overtones as well, right?
2: Um, Hard not to see that, especially said, with 9S crucified um, <laughs> in the, the church tower above you. <laughs>
1: so, So how do we, like, Trace those lines. Then, like, he's at once like the father, right? He's he's sort of super um, above everything, right? Uh, he's also making himself mortal, so he's the son. Um, he's not he's not you know undergoing the crucifixion, but he seems to have pity almost on on nine. He like gives him a a kind of intimate moment up there um, when he reveals him, right? Uh, It's it's really interesting um, that all of that kind of comes through without any real explicit reference to religion. Um, He says something about it being almost spiritual, I think, but that's um, pretty vague uh, compared to the yeah, the, the imagery that we're getting here. Um, so, what do you do with that? Like,
2: yeah, the, is, it,
1: is it a parody? Is it a an homage? Like,
2: what do you think? I I imagine it's a reversal, if anything, like a, a deliberate sort of um, mirror image of what the the Trinity is sort of designed to to convey and communicate. You know, as Christ's kenosis the the giving up of his of his godhood is is always associated with humility in the christian Mm -hmm. mindset here it's associated with pride um here it is about self-aggrandizement about you know becoming more godly rather than becoming less godly um so you know he is aspiring to be human but there's nothing there's nothing human about that decision um like, it's not out of a, out of a desire to, to get closer to someone or, or to love. Um, you know, th- there's, there's a twistedness about the love that he seems to express about his desire to become closer to human in the sense of, you know, seeing human as being superior to himself, despite the fact that that's not <laughs> how humans typically understand themselves. Like, if we wielded that kind of godlike power, we would be very slow to give it up. Um, If we could be immortal, we would jump at it in an instant, in most cases. Um, So, you know, there's this sort of of confusion as to what it means to be human um, on the part of Adam, I think, and, you know, on the part of the androids as well. You know, at this point, it's been centuries since anyone's even seen a human being. There'll be... Like it, people can guess at what they they looked like or what they did or what they acted like. You know, Nine frequently talks about how the machines are copying human behaviors, and yet I'm kind of forced to ask, like, how do you know? <laughs> when, were, <laughs> when was the last time you hung out with humans? You know, they've been hanging out on the moon this whole time. Are they even like they used to be at this point? Um, you get this sense from both the androids and the machines, from Adam and from Eve, that. They all perceive humans to be these these godlike beings, you know, the way that like the the Greek gods work. They just live far away and they have all this power, and you know, occasionally they interfere with us, but but most of the time they just kind of stick to themselves. Um, and and Adam apparently in his desire to. Be that just kind of misses everything <laughs> about what makes humans humans, except of course insofar as he identifies that conflict is so crucial to them um, that you know he cannot fully understand. He cannot reach that point without conflict, and I think on some level he may be right about that. You know, as warped as his approach may be, and as as perverse and backwards as the religious iconography here certainly seems to emphasize. You know, humans have compassion and love in all likelihood probably because they do realize there are consequences to their actions. They're not immortal. You know, you -hmm. you care because it's just a matter of time until these things are taken away from you. Um, Life is precious, at least in part, because it is finite. So, you know, without that finitude hanging over it, without an understanding of what that could mean, it is weird. Like, Adam is just a villain in this case. But it's almost like if he did understand mortality, if you could somehow kill him and he came back, which, of course, is what you would expect from Christ or some Christ Mm -hmm. figure in this case then maybe he would understand compassion, he would understand love, he would understand loss. You know, Eve, for all of his rage, understands it in a way that Adam doesn't, just because Eve sees it happen. Um yeah. Like, it, it's easier to sympathize with Eve, despite the fact that he's trying to kill you
1: Uh, (laughs) um he he turns into a mecha dragon and flies around and tries to shoot you with lasers but yeah he's still way more sympathetic than this like (laughs) upper scientist uh hanging out in his cold little city yeah yeah
2: um and i mean obviously like we can't even scratch the surface of the religious discussion of adam without it turning into a discussion of the cult that we run into immediately afterwards Uh, yes you know in in the in the absence of Adam's rule, his connection to the network and his sort of control over the the machines, we very quickly find out that the machines have organized themselves into a religion um, <laughs> yes. and you know That's so cool <laughs> with all, with the vestments like where did they get those <laughs> like how did they come up with with purple robes so fast um <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, like, they've all set up shop down in the, the basement of the abandoned factory, and they're all holding torches, they're all performing ceremonies, they're all, you know, worshipping God in this abstract sense, and then, of course, we get to the inner sanctum, and the bishop, the bishop is dead, and the, the head rolls off, and mm-hmm. it immediately turns into a suicide cult, and... Um, well, that's how you become God, Ben. Oh, of course. <laughs> don't you know that? And, and um, of course, it's enforced. You know, we will all become God. Machine, Android, everybody. We All yes. we have to do is die, and we will become God. Um, this,
1: I feel like this is a really tricky... Like, I'm... I find this more parodic by far. Um, yeah. But I'm not sure that that's the right read here. Like, I don't know if I'm supposed to be laughing at this quite quite as lightly, like, partly because, um, uh, so 9S is out of the picture now, he's back at the bunker to be rebooted or recover or whatever, um, so you've got Pascal with you, right, the pacifist, um, in a way is, like, the, I don't know, maybe the best embodiment of, like, what a a Christ-like, you know, robot would actually be like, right, um, having transcended that cycle of vengeance and just kind of Um, Not too concerned about what humanity is exactly, but just with, you know, not hurting other people. Um, Anyway, Pascal is pretty interested in this uh, religious sect, right? Uh, They've invited him up there to, I don't know, make a treaty or let them know like how to self-organize since the pacifists have experience with that, right? Now the network's down. but but you know, kind of naively, uh, they're um they're you're not really like prepared. Uh Pascal that is, isn't really prepared for them to turn. Um, it seems like 2 B is kind of just going along with things, but I get the sense that she's you know, expecting things to, to go wrong. Um because I, they always do, right? Uh, I, I find that kind of it's kind of a um, a touching moment there uh, when uh, Pascal is like so excited, you know, to mm-hmm. to get to meet these people, and um, and then you like very quickly get these like menacing overtones of the torches and the. Uh, just the organization, the discipline they, they demonstrate. Um, yeah, yeah. So very like Indiana Jones ish, I guess. But
2: um, yeah, but there is the other side of it as you're as you're coming out, um, mm-hmm. like after you get out of the elevator and you go up to the top floor where you were walking through the the original like members of the the order, the religion, um, the ones who were welcoming you, the ones who were excited to see you and. You know, as much as everyone in the basement has decided that death is the only way to become a god, they're, they're like, mass, committing mass suicide, there are a lot of machines on the top floor still who are resisting this. Um, yeah. And, you know... A lot of them will deliver some fairly heartbreaking lines if you talk to them. Like they'll talk about how they you know, this was not what it was meant to be. You know, here we were on the brink of peace, and this is what it devolved into. Um, you know, a couple of them are literally like standing in the corner praying or weeping over the bodies of their comrades. Um, at one point, you you have to like eat a bunch of. The, the angry machines jump in trying to kill the the non participants presumably to make them gods and you defend them and they will give you stuff if you if you save them like they'll give you money mm-hmm. and they'll give you uh, healing items um, like the, it's obviously a schism that's that we're seeing here um, and there is still a contingent of of these believers who believe in pacifism and you know a, a life that does not involve death. Um, and I think one of those, um, one of the machines actually says at one point, death isn't going to make us gods. Um, like just straight out refutation of the fundamental tenet that all those, you know, wild, crazed cultists were, were believing. Um, so as much as it is like a parody and as much, you know, there's, there's a part of me as a Christian that goes into that, group and everything turns on a dime and I'm like come on now, like, we're not all like that, not all of us are nuts <laughs> um, but it's clear that Yokotaro has that in mind as well like, it is complicated um, as, as much as you know, quite a few of these machines leap to the extreme position with virtually no prodding there's still quite a few who resist that, who are moderated, who are looking at this through the eyes of fairly reasonable, um, sort of balance of their faith with their, with their, you know, their experience and their, the life that they're seeing around them. Um, yeah. so, you know, it's, I, I think it's measured here. Like the, the, the comedy or the, the parody that we see is immediately undermined by the, the pathos of the survivors, <laughs> Um, Like even the the act of of carving your way through just another endless slew of machines all trying to kill you just like every other endless slew of machines trying to kill you that you've had is very much checked by how many are trying to remain peaceful, how many are still friendly to you, how many are trying to sort out their faith under these new developments, um, how many are trying to like I think one of them even says something along the lines of "Why would God let this happen?" Um, like his faith is actually challenged by this schism.
1: Well, and the 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 edition of the game anyway that we've been playing is called "Become as Gods" edition. Um, so I think there's an interesting. uh question that arises, like, what does that mean, right? So, we, yeah, we see god-like robot um, Adam trying to become a human. Uh, we see the kind of silly, inky little robots trying to become gods, but in a way that is, you know, indistinguishable from just destroying themselves, basically. Um, but then, yeah, but then we also see this idea of... Um, you know, whatever, you know, 2B is doing, right? Like rescuing her friends and protecting the innocent uh, and trying to be loyal to her, you know, army and her comrades, right? Like she's you know, holding all these things in tension. And yeah, and seeing the, the peaceful robots um, try to, you know, live and be free. Uh, all of that is also wrapped up in that. So it's, it's quite... I don't know. Like I'm sure that they chose that name just because it sounds cool, right. right? But it also like it gets to the heart, I guess, of this this kind of end game or whatever you know, this end of the first game yeah. <laughs> that we're that we're in. Um, the other
2: thing that I noticed though that always jumps out at me, uh, playing through that section, is that they they play the same boss music we've had for a lot of the bosses, um, mm-hmm. but this is the second time we've had that boss music overlaid with with the chanting um... the first time was way back in the desert when all the machines you know you come upon the the you know tribe with all of the the people like rocking the carriage or you know the machines sort of clumsily trying to copulate with one another and you get them as you sort of like walk into the center they they attack you and you attack them and they start chanting this cannot continue um, uh, and now we have the same music, the same chant, only now it's we will be, or become as gods. Um, yes. And there's something strangely parallel, I think, about that. And something strangely cyclical about this. Um, mm-hmm. That, you know, as early as the second major area that we were going through, the machines had become aware of the fact that the violence could not continue, would be interminable and therefore impossible, something unacceptable, like a basic frustration in the natural order of things. Here we see sort of the logical conclusion of that, that in order to transcend this cycle of violence, the only way to get out of it is to destroy oneself. Um, Mm -hmm. So, you know, where, where we started with like, let's annihilate the other side. Let's just end the androids and then, then we won't have to fight anymore. Now it's let's destroy ourselves and we don't have to fight anymore. We, we win. Yeah. Like, the game is over. Um, so, you know, I can't help but, but connect those two moments um, both the birth of Adam with the absence of Adam after the fact. Yeah. Um, this is, you know, what we do when we don't have that connection, when we don't have that networking, um,
1: and I like that, that it's the location is the factory, right? It's like the two kinds of creation, uh, the, the weird quasi birth, right? Of Adam out in the desert versus the, like, presumably like where robots normally would come from, from this, this factory, um. That was also the place where we started the game, right? So, yeah. And I don't know. I thought that the the boss fight in there and a lot of the battles in there being in the dark, you know, also kind of drives that home. Like, you are in a way like underground, like in the underworld. Um, you're basically like trying to come back from the dead there uh, and fighting things you can't even see, you know, there. I I, I think... Uh, Steve, you pointed out that you have to fight basically the same boss again once you're back outside um, in the the lead-up to the Eve fights. Uh, Yeah,
0: I mean, I think you saw me fight him. It was like the one that kept on doing the electrical charge. Um, Yeah, that's the different leave. Yeah, after you leave the factory and then you go to the resistance camp. um, And all the machines are, you know chowing down um, yep. on the androids there. And then, yeah, you go outside and, like, I, th- I think it's the same ball?
2: Yeah, TV um, even remarks that, you know, how many times do I have to kill this thing? Like, you know, yeah. something equivalent. Um, yeah, so yeah, it's definitely the same enemy, and like, 9S2 also, you know, this is his moment where he flies the flight suit into it to finally take it down um, and it's obvious yes. that he too is frustrated with how many times they have to take this stupid ball thing out
1: I, I wanted to so we talked a lot about the machines I think but how about 9S's uh, like character arc at this point right like he's kind of out of commission for a little while there um, what what is his I don't know his uh his change or his development um, what what do we see from him uh, as this game goes on like is it is it parallel to the way that the robots seem to go up the you know the scale of civilization or something like that uh, if it's conceived as a progress on their part or or maybe downward depending on how you yeah. look at it,
2: um, yeah. it is what, about, hard what about to see our heroes? of civilization when they're you know like cannibalizing and, androids but <laughs> um, but yeah, I think 9s, especially since the Leviathan fight has gotten more desperate um mm-hmm. like his he he has you know there, there's that great moment in the Leviathan fight where um where he like flies off he says I got this plan like I'm gonna go go get the missiles um and he takes off and your pod informs you like, uh, 9s has left the front line should we report him and 2B's like what are you nuts no yeah. i trust him um, and you know the, this this trust between 2B and 9s is probably a large part of what spurs 2B to look for him in the first place you know he's just mia like any other android by by the logic of you know the bunker he is as valuable to the cause as any of the other people you track down on, on the, the seaside like they don't want you to bother with him um but then you know your personal operator is is like no you gotta go find him and 2 of course is asking everyone that she meets have you seen nine ass obviously there's a personal connection here at this point um but then you know at, like from 9s's perspective on the one hand he did go on his desperate mission to go find the missiles whatever that involved and now the first time that we see him after his recuperation after you know watching him be crucified in adam's little like small world after all um is him crashing his flight suit in this act of you know dangerous nigh suicidal desperation much the same way as we saw him do that to save 2B in the prologue. Yeah, uh, yeah. So you know, at this point, the, the connection on 9S's side seems to be expressed by these acts of self-sacrificial heroism, um, this recklessness, this desperation to to keep 2B alive in much the same way that we've seen 2B desperate to find 9S and save him from the clutches of Adam. Uh, And, you know, obviously this this culminates with 9S, in fact, giving his life when he fights Eve, like taking on this extremely dangerous hack that ultimately corrupts his own system and, you know, things get worse from there. Uh,
1: Yeah. So his his kind of like late game persona does seem pretty different from where he was at the start of the game, right? He's... He's much more free, I feel like, mm-hmm. from his, you know, mission programming and whatnot. And I I guess I wonder about uh, 2B in this case too. Like, I, I'm sure we haven't seen the last of the whole, like, not sure about trusting the bunker sort of thread of the story. Um, but it is interesting that the emphasis here seems to be on the fact that she does trust 9S, and he seems to have like a plan, right? He seems to have pretty clear what he wants to do, um, whether it goes along with the bunkers, you know, mandates or not. Um, so that's yeah. So do we see two B make a clear change, or does she stay pretty constant? Like she seems to always be, you know. Caring about 9s, like, and trying not to show it. Like that's She seems pretty steady throughout the game, I guess.
2: Mm-hmm. If anything, I suspect the change for 2b is in the way that she interacts with her world. Um, mm. Like, seeing as, you know, we start and 9s has got his memory wiped, where 2b remembers the connection that they made at the prologue, it makes sense mm-hmm. that, you know, 2b's relationship to 9s would remain fairly constant. She she knows she's already gone through the arc where 9s needs to do it again Um, Mm -hmm. but as to be sort of is informed about the world as she sort of interacts with the machines as you know increasingly she becomes aware that there's more to what's going on than what the bunker seems to be telling her you see her get more and more comfortable with the idea of the machines not being our enemies, you know. Like you said, Pascal accompanies you through the whole, you know, factory cultist situation, and this doesn't rankle her anymore. You know, when when 9s and 2b first show up at the at the um, village at pa- Pascal's little pacifist village, they're all waving the white flags because. The assumption on the part of both 2B and 9S at this point is that machines are always enemies. Machines are always hostile. Um, But now, now during this whole religious fight, there are clearly good and bad machines. Machines you protect and machines you attack. And 2B is quick to identify the difference between the two of them. Um, But it is purely a matter of are they acting hostile? Not all machines are hostile, therefore kill them all indiscriminately. Um, It's changed. And likewise, with the change in relationship to the the machines, has come the change in relationship to the bunker. And when the bunker lays down some of those directives, like you know, go kill A2, I get the sense that be may not be entirely on board with it anymore. And some of the side quests bear that out as well. Like you know, you're you're tracking down the 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 deserting androids. Sometimes you fight them, and sometimes you help them. Sometimes you know you go with what the bunker told you to do, and sometimes you don't. Sometimes that's the player's decision, but the very fact that it is the player's decision means that two B is relinquishing control. That she is not dead set one hundred percent in the pocket of the bunker anymore. Um, things are changing yeah. for her.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. The the kind of combination of trust. And doubt that she's undergoing, um, with respect to her friend and her, you know, leadership. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I completely forgot about the other android <laughs> that we fight in the uh, in the forest. Yeah. So yeah, there's definitely lots more stuff that we're probably gonna come back to at some point. But so yeah. So what's going on there at the very end of this um, this first? game. Uh, There's the defeat of Eve, uh, who's, you know, pretty uh, terrifying, Um, is like using all the spare parts as weapons against you. Um, But then 9S manages to, what, like hack in and make him vulnerable for long enough to, uh, to finish him off.
2: Yeah, I, um, I suspect that... Like, I think what he says is that he is disconnecting him from the network in much the same way that yeah. Adam chose to do that to himself. 9S forces it on Eve. Um, gotcha. Or, and But then, you know, things get bad. Like, you know, you, you lose your offensive capabilities like you can't shoot at him anymore and then you can't, like, slash him anymore. Or... <laughs> Um, finally, you get that fairly grotesque moment where, like, 2B just walks up and stabs him with the, the broken, like, hilts of <laughs> yeah. her, her samurai sword. Um, and at that point, it's revealed that 9S has apparently gone too far. Uh, and right. in hacking uh, Eve, he has, like, corrupted his own software. Um, or something that he is now, you know, enslaved to the network in his own way and asks 2B to kill him. Mm -hmm. So, you know, at this point, 2B's weapons are broken, and we get this absolutely awful scene of her, like, choking Nighess to death and then just weeping over his body. Um, But shock twist apparently the machines who we thought were dead all start glowing green resonating with each other and it turns out that 9s has salvaged his ego by being a part of the network now like enough of him is deposited in the network that now he speaks through the machines in much the same way as we've seen from adam and eve at this point Right. So, you know we get this very christ-like death and then resurrection and apotheosis um you know the, the same mark of godhood that we identified with Adam is now something that 9s possesses um and of course then we fade to black and that's the end of our first first run through the game yeah
1: um, yeah yeah it's it's the flowers for machines is that the ending that we get here i think so, um, yeah the A ending. Um, and yeah, I'm just, I noticed that the uh, the way that uh, 2B has been like holding 9S at various points in the game, right? Like um, as he's been broken, at this point, uh, it's 9S's turn, right? In, in the form of one of the machines, he's holding 2B.
2: Right, it's, um, just
1: it's a nice it's kind of reversal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, almost as if she's the flower, right? That he's like holding up there, um, and her, her like delicacy of form is always there. Um, you kind of forget about it because she's so like competent as a fighter. Um, but it's it's really like emphasized in in these cutscenes, right? That she's like damaged. Um. She can hardly walk. Her, her weapons are broken. Uh, that and yeah. the
2: fact that their blindfolds are off for the first time. All yes, time.
1: yes, yes. Exactly, exactly. Um, That makes them look so different. Like that little change. It's like a Clark Kent Superman thing. It's like this slight difference, but but they're totally different people when you can see their eyes, their, their faces. Um, yeah, the, the cut scene of, um, you know, killing 9S, it, it really goes, and, and then mourning him, right, like the crying, it goes on for a long time. Um, for as brief as most of the cut scenes are and have been, right, and how much it's integrated in the gameplay as far as, like, you know monologues from villains and so forth, right, this one really... Pulls you and, and like forces you to sit and slow down, right? And and just linger on that. Um, it's it's rough. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Very, very much um, breaking the uh, motions of forbidden rule with that. Yep. Um, yeah. Well. Oh, okay. So, I thought it was a cool ending. I I don't blame a lot of players for thinking like. That's it. That's the whole game, right? And and swear needing to put in like a, a letter to the player, <laughs> like hey, go back and keep playing. Like there's a lot. There's a bunch more to the game, because um, it does feel pr- pretty complete. Like
2: yeah.
1: there's clearly threads in the story, but they could as easily been side quests, right? Mm-hmm. That, um, but the way that they chose to tell the story is interesting. That um, it can kind of fool you that way. Uh, yeah. Is there anything else? I uh, I mean. Covered, I feel like a lot of ground pretty quickly tonight. Um,
2: I think the one thing we did sort of just gloss over without discussing was the the feral machines, um, mm. like
1: the cannibalism.
2: Yeah, <laughs> there. Or once once Adam dies and and Eve gets you know positively enraged, and we see these machines like literally clawing at the bodies of the androids and they're like the the face panels are ripped up to to make it look like they're they're like they've got their eyes in the middle of teeth or something, these jagged metal Mm -hmm. shards or something. Um like that's that's uncomfortable. And those guys are scary. They're strong and they just keep coming at you. Um and you know it I think it's it's very evocative. Like uh, on the one hand, we've been seeing the machines getting progressively more civilized throughout the game. Like even even with the religious cult, there, there's something sort of advancing there. Like we went from the, the feudalism in the forest to the, this you know complex theological system that that now the machines are disagreeing about in strange and interesting ways. And then there's this mm. immediate regression um, mm-hmm. to something very primal and basic and and uncomfortable. Like in its primacy, um, you know, all of the sophistication that we saw from the machines up until this point just vanishes, um, and they are reduced to animals in, in short. Like we, we wouldn't even expect this from like the the most uh, the most militaristic machines, the most you know, uh, just simple-minded fighters uh, that we saw even in the desert or or before that in the, the factory. They never get this this violent, this direct. Yeah. Um, so it is very, very striking, very uncomfortable, um, and very. Jarring.
1: No, there, there is something special about you know someone who's capable of reason but reverts to
2: sheer anger. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And in the that's, process, that's and in the process, they destroy the resistance camp. Like you know, you, you've got oh, yeah. you've got to save the androids. You've got to. Jump in, you, you know. You get that moment when you're approaching it; and the whole thing is on fire. Like it, it is very final. Uh, you know, just as we saw the, the Goliath shows up and, and changes the world radically, this this is another change. You know, it, things cannot be the same after this. And even though the end game is just around the corner, you have to imagine. You know, were this to continue, this would this would be a huge change. Um, you you can't go back from the number of resistance members who are, who are dead or fleeing, or you know the destruction that they've wrought. Um, much less the the fear that they would come again. Pardon me. Yeah.
1: No, absolutely. Yeah, the I think the, the peacefulness that we've always associated with the ruined city, um, and particularly the resistance camp, just kind of hanging out there in the middle of it. Uh, is, is very much reversed here by the end of the game. Um, kind of in the way that Adam, you know, showed us in his city, right? Like underlying all this apparent tranquility is nature, red and tooth and claw, right? Um, and and then it's nice. I, I think it's a good ending the way that that's, that whole kind of antip- Empathy towards the machines is really uh, reversed by the fact that 9s basically becomes the machines, right? The the person that to be trusted and fought for the most, right? Uh, and who never really trusted the machines, but sort of started to maybe a little bit as the game goes on, right? 9s does at last sort of become part of them. Uh, yeah, it's it's. Pretty cool. Um, so my understanding is that we play as him in the second game.
2: Yep. Is that the idea we we will switch shoes and Nines will be our our primary character um, as we play through, and we're basically gonna play through everything that we played through with Two B. There will be changes, especially because. You know, there have frequently been times when 9S and 2B have been separated or had different jobs to do. Um, but generally, it's going to be the, the same plot beats for, for quite a while. Um, we'll, we'll go through the factory again, we'll go through the desert again, we'll go through the amusement park again, all that. Um, so, with that in mind, uh, I suspect that we can not go quite as slowly as we did with 2B, um, seeing as we've hit a lot of the same ground. But there are differences so I, I was thinking initially that we would like take 9ss uh, like the the B and in two or three sections um, okay. so if we go all the way to um, finding the aliens with 9s I suspect that would probably be good material and if we could take two weeks to do it I suspect that would be better for me at least so I think no by all means, yeah um,
1: yeah and then, Well, we... also because, sorry, I, I just, I, I gotta throw in that we're also um, supposed to be reading The Brothers K uh, concurrently here, because oh, okay. our, our reading portion, I <laughs> <didn't> <laughs> it was, realize it was, that was really a joke, but partly true. Like, I think, I think it would be great if we can uh, dig in with uh, some Dostoevsky here. Uh, hey, you, you, to... won't,
2: you won't hear any argument from me um
1: it is, a spring break read uh, yeah. for yeah yeah so the brothers karamazov um and you recommend i'm sure the uh what's their names? name the,
2: always yeah. yeah if you can track down the p volonsky translation I'd recommend that but you can also find it at project Gutenberg for free oh it's the uh-huh. Uh-huh. it's the garnet translation and it's perfectly good but yeah so I have
1: my. You can't go wrong, I feel like, with Dostoevsky. Yeah. It's like, it's like a myth. You know, Any, any telling of the myth is going to have the myth in it, right? So yeah.
2: And I will be able to contribute in a, a new and interesting way. I, I'm reading uh, Joseph Frank's four volume biography of Dostoevsky yes. currently with my spring yes. break read. So while, while I'm reading The Adolescent this year instead of Brothers K, um, I do know it well enough that I should probably be able to weigh in. Um, And I should be able to offer at least some insights with my long-standing history with my man, Dostoevsky. Nice.
1: Nice. So that should keep us busy. So so we'll get up to aliens who are dead. Uh, I assume they're still dead in the second place. (laughs) Yep. I don't think this is Uh, a
2: 999 situation where reality changes on (laughs) parallel universes. Okay. Okay. Well, uh, you
1: just never know, I guess. But okay, all right, and then... Hold on, hold on.
0: Wes, you didn't uh, mention that uh, we got our first gag ending, or joke ending, uh, last time we played. Oh. Um, When you're being, like, escorted into the factory, if you kill the priest that's leading you there, Um, you get the J ending. Um, And it basically says, in a sudden fit of temper to be wiped out, the machine life forms and no peace was born that day.
2: Okay. (laughs) Yes.
1: Yes. It's a a beautiful ending. I, I read also that there's another possible ending. If you lose to Adam, is that right? I don't know if you've experienced that one. Um, I have not, but yeah. Okay. Apparently that is one of the missing endings then. Okay. Um, it seems like if you lose to Eve, there's not a special ending though, except for crashing your game. <laughs> right, <laughs> take right. vengeance in your ninety-nine level form. So, uh, that's an interesting absence, I guess. But yes, yes, I it slipped my mind that we killed the priest and no peace was born that day. Funny. Yeah, but it, uh, uh, it's amazing
0: how fast the credits roll after that. <laughs> <laughs> Especially when you, if you try to sit through it, like when you get the A ending, and it takes forever
2: oh, to get through it. Into the whole song and stuff.
1: I know it's incredible how many people, and not just individuals, but like companies and contractors, are in on this game. Like it's nuts. It's like more than a movie.
2: Yeah. Crazy. Well, one of the things I noticed when I booted it up for the first time like playing it again i I actually checked the licenses on the the opening menu and man it uses all of them like i think it's using unity i I know it's using havoc like they they just borrowed a lot of of the engines and licenses and libraries that you know i'm vaguely familiar with from other games but Yeah, I I don't know if this is normal at this point, it's just, you know, they went out of their way to mention them here, or if this is really just a huge composite, but at any rate, a lot of hands on on deck on this one, you know, within Square Enix and without.
1: Amazing. Uh, I wonder if that's why it crashes sometimes, like
2: little <laughs> for, all, for all its polish some miscommunication between the various engines is entirely possible <laughs> right
1: right from from the uh, you know the side view to the top down view to the 3d you yeah. know full open world yeah I, is, I could see there being some hiccups there
2: it is a far cry from the one-man team in the 90s building their engines from scratch <laughs> yes
1: yes uh but yeah i It leaves me kind of wondering, and I don't know if this is justified, but like, so what exactly did Yoko Taro do? Like, what's his job at the end of the day on this game?
2: Yeah. um,
1: (laughs) Except being the mascot, basically.
2: (laughs) Uh, When it comes to the the business of of like actual game development, like the the person who gets their their title on on that particular card, um, it usually involves more organization than anything else. Yeah. Um, like this is the person who talks to all of the teams. Um, Mm -hmm. so like you'll have a a separate distinct art director, but that art director will report to Yoko Taro and you'll have, you know, a separate programming team and a programming lead, but that programming lead will report to Yoko Taro. Um, so, you know, like I've read a fair amount on the the business of, of becoming and being a game designer. And it seems like over and over the the thing that they emphasize is your communication skills. (laughs) You've got to not just have a vision, but be able to communicate that vision to everyone, to be able to coordinate everybody and the sort of development of that vision and be able to, you know, like just take care of the normal, everyday stuff like you know you you hear back from QA that there's some bug with some technical detail and as a consequence like you're you're pushing it back up to the coders to you know here's the bug report go fix that And they're like oh wait if we do that then we have to change the animation and that means you're talking to the animators and you know like every little little problem is going to get bounced five different ways and while a lot of that is probably not stuff that yoko taro himself oversees he's got to be able to, you know, communicate and schedule and and sort out like who's on what page doing what at every given moment and also be able to plan on the long term, you know, we're going to do X at this point, Y at this point, Z at this point, and we need X done by the time we start Z. So, you know, like figuring all that out.
1: Absolutely. I, 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 I jest. I mean... I just um, I think the most that I've seen about him though is like he wears a weird hat at all times <laughs> a mask uh, and he's He's like constantly fielding questions about like the sexuality of his main character uh, that seems to be like the main thing that people are interested in mm-hmm. and his answer is basically like you know I think beautiful women are fun to look at like that's why I wanted her in the game. That's that's like a long and short of what I've read about him so far. But I don't know. He's the, he seems interesting uh, and and must be good at what he does. I guess. Um, yeah, yeah. So there's there's I think we'll have to come back to some of this stuff about you know the cre- the creative mind behind the game. Um, I feel like the game is kind of making us think about that as, as we go along, right? Like, yep. yeah, anyway.
2: It will um, more obvious as we go.
1: <laughs> 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 I, I, I guess, yeah, What what's sort of nebulous and mysterious at first has, has got to get uh, nailed down eventually? Um, well, I guess it doesn't have to, but usually, usually it will. Um, but have we? I don't know. Have we done justice to the first game at least?
2: I suspect so.
1: I think that's I think that's pretty good work. Good job, team. Nicely done. Uh, <laughs> I don't have a deadline for reading the Brothers K, but let's let's all at least try to start it um, over these next couple weeks. Should we do a meeting next week or take it take a break?
2: Um, I've actually, like, if all goes well, I should actually have a fairly low workload next week. Like, after pushing myself like crazy the past few weeks and, you know, missing last week, unfortunately, I should be in the clear for the next two before the class starts. Um, So I'd be happy to meet or I'd be happy to break, like, whatever other people are thinking. Um, But I'm not entirely sure what we have on the docket to talk about. (laughs) No,
1: yeah, we we, we did a, a, a ton of stuff tonight, so I don't know, it's kind of open. What do you think, Steve?
0: Uh, I have nothing else going on, so whatever you guys want to do, it's fine
1: by me. Corey says she can make it. Nice. So we can
2: all talk, nice. but we have nothing to talk about. I guess we could do like <laughs> a, a recap on what have we been playing over the last few months besides Neuro Automata. Um, I know Indeed. those have been profitable discussions in the past.
1: Yeah. Well, and Steve and I have been talking quite a bit about all this stock bubble stuff going on, uh, which... I don't want to talk feel about like... it. <laughs> How's your fill? Like You've got the inside uh, info, man. You're reading Reddit and all that. So come on.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, those guys are idiots. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm also an idiot, so, like, you know, it's okay if I say that they're idiots, but... Uh... Yeah. The whole GameStop stuff has been pretty crazy. Um And,
1: and Ben, but you put this link to a free game mm-hmm. from Epic Games, uh the fall.
2: Yep. That was interesting. Yeah, we could we could take a stab at that one if you like. It, it's it's pretty short. I wouldn't expect you to like get through it all in one sitting, but it's like, I don't know, two to four hours total playtime, yeah. I think. Um, so if you wanted to take a stab at that, I, we can talk about it. Um, I think I remember it well enough to to be able to talk somewhat eloquently. Again, yeah, this is one that I've always kind of had on the docket to like talk about, like anytime that we're like, no, what game should we play? That was always one in the back of my mind. Um, right on. But yeah, and this might actually be an interesting companion piece to Nier Automata because they deal with a, a surprising oh. number of the same themes. Um, like the, the question of artificial intelligence and consciousness and but also you know the, what, I've, what I've really struck by is the the interest in morality like how how moral legalism can be potentially under how do I even put this I don't know it's a very unique game like very small very to the point and very striking. Um, And the sequel is also really good, but for totally different reasons. Um, But I played it a couple years ago. Um,
1: I think you mentioned that, as far as companion pieces, the thing, so Kazuo Ishiguro Mm -hmm. just recently won the Nobel Prize for literature. Uh, He's got a Japanese name, but he writes in English. Um, And he just put out a book, Clara and the Sun, that's Mm -hmm. about... Apparently about a um, like a robotic companion, um, and sort of like the world from her perspective. So I kind of I mean it's probably difficult to get a copy of that since it just came out. Um, my library at least they're all like you know booked for weeks. But but that's just something to keep in mind maybe uh, since we'll you know we'll be talking about near for for a while yet. So um, yeah yeah. So the immediate future brothers K. And the fall, other things we've been playing, other things we've been investing in, uh, <laughs> and reading on Reddit, and listening to podcasts about all that good stuff. So yeah, we'll have kind of a, just a light week next week, it sounds like. so. Sounds
2: good. All right.
1: Cool, cool. And then in two weeks, we'll, we'll see the world from Nines' perspective. Uh, all right. Well, thanks, everybody. Very fun. Very good stuff. Thank you. Uh, All right. Yeah. Have a good rest of the night. What's left of it here. And yeah, good Friday, good weekend. See y'all next week. All right. Sounds good. Take care.
2: Farewell.